Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels. Our guest this week, we've got Tom Bowley, very popular YouTuber, founder, creator of the Walleye Now app. Uh, we're going to have him back on the show. We've had him on before. Tom is a wealth of information and, uh, yeah, just a stud walleye angler, very self-taught and very diverse, multifaceted angler. So this conversation is going to be river fishing in the spring, very timely for what's going on right now. We spend a lot of time talking about the Mississippi River, but we cover a lot of ground. We're going to talk presentations. We're going to talk locations. We're going to talk situations. We're going we're gonna to cover a whole bunch of stuff. Let's get into this interview right away. Tom Bowley, Rivers. Let's do it. everybody we'll just kind of generalize your your approach to river fishing like what are the big ticket items for you like what do you like what do you just kind of like have marked down as your keys to success as far as your strategy how you approach it you know how do you pick what part of the uh, body of water to to focus in on and do a little research uh, presentations that you have ready to go um, and breaking down water just kind of your 15 minute version of like your river fishing strategy and then we'll get more specific after that go ahead yeah kind of the cool part about this year is just with how mild of a winter it's in a lot of places you're going to see a lot of you know like we kind of started talking about mississippi river oh it's the first you know it's the first one it's always open well there's going to be a lot of them that i think you know just looking at the 30-day forecast and how this winter's been as a whole where it's going to be a lot of places you normally couldn't fish until May or you know, late April that I think you're going to have access to in a boat, you know, right out of the gate in early March or even the end of February. This which is kind of crazy to even even think about, but just how weird and mild this winter is. But, uh, you know, generally river fishing early, it's not that it's super simple, but it's, you know, you're basically fishing a pattern that's been going since December, you know, this kind of wintertime pattern. Now, obviously, as you know, you start getting a runoff, temps start warming up a little bit, rivers start dirtying up. A lot of times you get more of a push towards like an upstream area. A lot of times, you know, that's a dam if you're a river fisherman, whether that's the Fox River in Green Bay, whether that's, uh, you know, stretch of the Missouri River, whether it's the Mississippi River. A lot of times you get fish moving towards a dam location. But a lot of that happens late in the fall, too, where you get these big runs of saugers and walleyes that move up up river and kind of obviously stop at a stopping point like the dam. And uh, so that's, you know, a lot of times physically where you're fishing, you know, it's, it's somewhere around that upward wintering hole area. And uh, that's pretty common pattern pretty much across the Midwest. But with spring walleye fishing, it varies a lot. So as you start getting a runoff, the river might, you know, obviously start the water level starts coming up. You generally start talking some dirtier water and that kind of shuffles fish around a little bit. But a lot of times in this kind of I'll almost call it the winter time frame. Um, you know, when you're fishing in January or February, you know, boat, um, a lot of times you're looking at a little bit deeper water fishing, a little bit clearer water and a little bit lower flow. And a lot of times that kind of all relates to fishing in a little bit, a little bit deeper water. In my opinion, a lot of times you're looking at sand or some kind of, they love sitting on sand in these kind of winter time frames. They're not really sucked up super shallow on a rock edge or, you know, a riprap bank yet or stuff like that. Those are a lot of times patterns that happen after the water comes up and begins to warm and dirty and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of times you're just looking at sand and anywhere you can find a little current seam and, you know, a lot of common depths you fish might be 10 to 10 to 20 feet of water for walleyes. And a lot of times you can go deeper than that and catch saugers or catch them intermixed in a lot of places. But, um, 
the rough location, generally some upstream area, um, upriver area next to a dam, next to a big neck down, um, somewhere relatively close to where the fish will actually end up spawning. But a lot of times you're looking at deeper water. And it's always amazing how a lot of times day to day you'll see fish be really aggressive one day and very, very negative neutral the other day. And I think that's just how a lot of these fish are when their metabolism is just slowed way down in this kind of winter cold water time frame. And a lot of times, you know, those fish, those fish will like sun, um, anything that just warms the water up, even if it's just a degree, sometimes most of the time, it seems like you'll see your best bites happen like in the afternoon hours. I don't know if that's just because the sun, you know, the sun's just been baking on the water for just a little bit. And those fish take a while to get going. And then that late afternoon is kind of that, that time when they bite a little bit more. But winter walleye fishing really pretty simple as far as location goes. Presentations, um, you know, you also don't really have to complicate it too. And I think that's one of the best parts about spring walleye fishing is it's really a, a jig and a plastic, a jig and a minnow maybe a blade bait, maybe a hair jig, but all things that are, you know, you're fishing with a spinning rod, bottom oriented and, uh, things that are, can be fished kind of subtle for the most part. So, um, yeah, and that's kind of the, the time frame we're walking into now, kind of this winter time frame before we get a lot of big runoff, the river start dirtying up and coming up because then it all kind of changes a little bit and fish move around a little bit, in my opinion. Do you spend a lot of time, like on your electronics, you know, looking for fish, you see those fish before you start fishing, um, or is it more reading water, water clarity, like you said, temperature gauge, like, like, do you spend more time, you know, paying more attention to the stuff above the water, or are you still just like hard up on those electronics? Yeah, it's a little bit of both, I think. And, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, you're look obviously anytime you're fishing a river system, you know, current, current seams, current flow, um, is a lot of times a big thing. And, um, you know, if you're just in a slack water area, very rarely are you going to be around walleyes in a river system. If you're in an area where the current's just raging, very rarely are you going to be around walleyes there either. So a lot of times it's this in between and, you know, this time of year before you have much runoff, um, there's going to be a lot of areas that, you know, might have a lot of current in May that don't have any current right now. So a lot of times you're looking for areas where there's a fair amount of current coming into it, but some kind of break somewhere, whether that's uh, if you're on the Mississippi, like wing dam, or maybe it's just a natural point. Or if you're fishing right up by a dam, maybe it's just out of the main flow of those dam gates or whatever it might be. But um, obviously when you get in a lot of these great areas, you know, you want to be seeing fish too. You might pull into an area that seems like it's got that right current break, you know, kind of that good mix of not, no flow and a ton of flow and you're just not marking any fish. And a lot of times in river systems, you know, there's sucker, there's sheephead, there's sturgeon, there's shad, there's all, you know, white bat, all sorts of different kinds of fish. And a lot of times if, when you get into one of those right kind of areas, you're going to see a bunch of fish, but most of the time well is obviously sitting closer to the bottom or relating tightly to a piece of structure where a lot of those other fish might float the water column. They might be five feet down. They might be 10 feet down. They might be on the bottom. So a lot of times just, distinguishing what's rough fish and what's actual game fish is a lot of times what you kind of do once you get in that area that you feel has kind of the right the right conditions on that river. You know, you're typically talking a little bit deeper water, right? Like when you think classic spring, you're thinking like, you know, the spawning runs and, and uh, you know, the, the runoff, higher water, dirtier fish are in shallower, blah, blah. But, you know, you're so spot on talking about you know, this, this first time you get on a river in the spring, you know, for the diehards that get out there, um, 
you know, that none of that stuff is happening yet. And you're targeting fish. You're trying to find those right little, the, the current situation. You're finding those current breaks and you're getting that dialed in. But if you're fishing a little bit deeper water, do you like right out the gate consciously make an adjustment to your setup? Maybe upsize your jig a little bit. You, you, you maybe uh, adjust your, your line choices. Do you make any like sort of setup decisions that matter whatsoever? Um, or is that just something you feel out through the day? Yeah, a lot of times, you know, river fishing, especially in those really cold water months, um, it, it, jig weight's more important than, uh, you know, almost anything else you're going to do because you want something that hangs up in the flow. If you're working a jig, you don't want it to just pick up, boom, right back down to the bottom. You don't want that very aggressive bottom contact where you feel like you're you're doing that upstroke of your jig, let and fall, and it's just that immediate big boom. You can feel that thing just thump right back down to the bottom. You want a lot of hang time. and a lot of times you're almost trying to like fight, find the jig that just barely touches bottom. And that essentially makes it fish a lot slower. And a lot of times you might be switching, you know, you might be at a three quarter ounce in one spot and a three eighth in another spot. And maybe in the afternoon you, you sneak up shallow when the fish are moving up, up a little bit shallow and you got a quarter on. So jig weight goes a, a, a super long and it's more important that time of year, that really early spring or winter walleye fishing than almost any other time of year. So a lot of times just matching the flow and, you know, to, you can kind of, kind of imagine if you have a really heavy jig on with a paddle tail or whatever it might be on and you kind of snap that jig up and it just thumps back down the bottom. That's a very fast moving, very kind of in their face type of deal, which can work sometimes. But a lot of times in this winter time frame, you can imagine going down a few jig sizes, popping it up, that paddle tail kind of hangs in the current, your rod's up high. And that thing's just, the current's almost giving that bait some like horizontal action and it just kind of hangs there for a second in their face. And a lot of times that's, that's what you want. You want that hang time. You want that thing to fish very subtle and kind of just almost swim itself in the current a lot of times. So jig weight, absolutely huge that time of year that we're in right now. Like when we're talking presentation, we're talking cadence, we're finding spots like like what's kind of like that hierarchy? I mean, obviously finding a spot where there's fish, but like is is river fishing this time of year like a time of year where you're trying to find the X where, I mean, they're just super schooled up? Um, are you trying to find areas, you know, maybe like bigger spots and you're doing some fan casting? Like, and then, you know, kind of on top of that, kind of a two-part question, the pattern, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, having a keeping it sort of simple, right? You got some, you probably have some minnows in the boat and you got some hair jigs and, and you got a few plastics. Are you throwing all of them every day? Cause you feel like throughout the day or, or day after day, those things kind of change, or do you kind of settle into a pattern every year and look back like, man, that jig and a minnow just crushed this year. Maybe, maybe kind of dive into that a little bit, finding the X or finding an area and matching that pattern with your presentations. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, in this basically winter walleye fishing time frame, um, anytime you have a, essentially conditions that are unchanging for a long period of time, like you do, and you know, right now, the water clarity, the water level, a lot of that stuff's essentially been the same since December. So whenever you have something like that happen, and normally schools fish up pretty good in consistent spots. And obviously, we talked about one of those spots, like a way up river location, you know, around a dam or some deep water area by a big neck down with a current break or something like that. And so a lot of times it is kind of a, you know, you might have a lot of water and a lot of fish sitting in three kind of specific areas on that, on that system. So a lot of times it is a lot of this, you know, you're driving around looking for those, those sweet spots that have a lot of life. 
And that's just because the, you know, with with conditions unchanging for a long period of time, fish will generally kind of be relating to the same areas for a long period of time. So a lot of times, as far as the the spot and the spot, the X goes, a lot of times you are finding big schools of fish that have been in relatively the same locations for a long period of time, in my opinion. And we kind of went over what a few of those are for sure. And as far as baits go, um, yeah, and there's definitely certain, you know, certain things. Maybe it's a blade bait, maybe it's a hair jig, maybe it's a jig of minnow that catch fish every spring. And uh, one of the biggest things that you see a lot is, especially when the water's really cold, a lot of times it's like fish need to just be triggered for a second. So you might, there's always multiple different ways to work everything. Um, you might, you know, jig and minnow, spring standby for for decades and decades and decades. Oh, yeah. Probably will be will be till the end of time and you there's a lot of days where you can be fishing right next to a guy who's got a jig and a minnow and he's plucking a few fish but you have something like a blade bait on where you're snapping it fast but you're you know you're not snapping it very far off bottom where it's like those fish need a triggering you need to be triggered just for a split second to make them bite so a lot of times it's what you're doing with one of those specific things that ultimately catches more fish than than the slower way or the faster way to work it. So it's a lot of times just varying your cadence um, and things like that, that might work better. And, you know, like we said, jig and a minnow kind of stand by, stand by. The one thing I'd say um, stays true for all of those baits in the spring is you want something that can float in the current for a, a split second, whether that's, you know, a lot of times it's just keying in your, your weight correctly, not fishing a three quarter ounce blade bait in a really low flow area, not fishing a half ounce jig and a minnow, um, in a minimal flow area and then the vice versa, not fishing an eighth ounce jig that never touches the bottom in a, in a high current area. So a lot of times it's just cadence and, uh, um, getting that dialing that weight into the current, in my opinion. Do you feel like those patterns can kind of be replicated miles apart? Like, like, uh, you know, maybe kind of, we'll start talking about those, how those spots kind of look, how far apart are they? How big of moves do you feel like you got to be making? How much ground do you got to cover to kind of get yourself a good milk run or get a good idea of, of just how good, how good your spots are. Yeah. And they can be quite a ways apart, you know, talking about, you know, Mississippi river, one that a lot of people have confident, you know, that fish and it's fairly well known and things like that. Um, You know, you might have spots that are miles apart sometimes on those systems. You might have, fish running out of a you know a bigger slower section of water or some of them might winter and kind of schooling up in kind of a a big zig and a zag or a big bend in a river where you have some deep water and a sand flat adjacent to it and a lot of times that's kind of you know the spot on the spot that you look for a lot of times somewhere where you might have a neck down or a big corner in a river then a big slower um sand flat on the opposite side of that or a sand shelf a lot of times adjacent to that really deep water so a lot of times those spots can be a ways apart now obviously a lot of times in the spring it can be hard to move away from the most visually obvious spot that's a lot of times like the dam locations like we talked about where you know there's always going to be fish there but there's also always going to be a lot of boats there so (laughs) a lot of times it's a lot of times it's you know looking at the map or driving around and looking for some of these other areas and um seeing what's going on but definitely don't be afraid to explore downriver because a lot of times there will be fish you know sitting in other areas that are down the river even if they're more spread out a lot of times you can you could pick fish off with some kind of a little bit more trolling or drifting methods for those fish that might not all be stacked right on top of each other and 
if I could, like I kind of talked about a little bit, if you could kind of drop the perfect winter spot, and a lot of times it'd be some kind of bend or some kind of neck down um, that really brings a lot of current together at the same spot. A little bit deeper water on the down current side of it, big sand shelf uh, with a real quick drop to deep water. And a lot of times that's kind of where a lot of those fish will roam and a lot of the real productive areas in this kind of winter just before springtime frame. Yeah, I think... You know, just that sort of hearing you talk about, uh, uh, you know, that spots aren't always stacked into one spot or one area this time of year. I think that's just like a kind of a good point to make or a good little takeaway because it seems like spring river fishing, it's like there's no secrets. You know where one fish has bit because there's 30 boats sitting there. If one net comes out, that's where everybody's at. And then, you know, it just sort of like there's this perception that, you know, river fishing, there's such a consistency, such a predictability to it that, you know, you just, if you see the boats, that's where you got to go. But it's not always the case. There can definitely be, you know, more spots to go check out. You can definitely go a few miles down. I think that's such a good point to make. Um, and it just, you know, having you talk about it gives me confidence, you know, and I get out this year, you, you know, that's always the case. Whatever fishing experience I'm trying to have, I'm trying to kind of maybe pioneer my own spot or find my own fish or do my own thing. And that can happen this, you know, that can happen when you get out on these patterns for sure, man, for sure. I, I appreciate you talking about that. Now I want to kind of segue in, into some, some specific topics that I have every year. You know, you can have a conversation about river fishing. And if you talk about the conditions of the year, it's a different conversation. Like every year has its own flavor just based on what's going on, the conditions, the everything that's going on. And so I want to kind of slowly get into that. And my question is, you know, we've been talking about Mississippi River. That's the river that you, you typically start your open water season on every year. Do you have like a home bot, a home river, like a river that you fished your whole life that you feel like is like your number one that uh, maybe that's the Mississippi River? I don't know. We've been talking about it, but like, I just wanted to see, like, ask you if you, do you have like one particular river that you feel like you have super dialed? <laughs> rivers are one of those goofy ones. I always call them the oddball of walleye fishing where I've fished a lot of rivers over the years. And there's, you know, there's very few places where, over the course of a rainy weekend, the water level changes by eight feet and dirties up to the, you know, from six foot visibility to one inch visibility. So I always call rivers just the absolute oddball where fish change patterns very fast. They change presentations very fast. Um, if there's one river I've spent more time on than the rest, it's definitely the Mississippi. And that one's definitely one where the water's up, the water's down. You know, last year we had a super, last couple of years actually, a very low water years. And it definitely, made you at first definitely think outside the box and you know catching fish in spots that you never really fished before and things like that i mean we fished you know multiple river systems last year where you might be there we might do a shoot one weekend and two weeks later we come back because the bite was good and you know it's up 10 feet higher than it was before before you're pulling dubuque rigs and you know, 22 feet of water catching walleye sliding up these flats and you come back a week and a half later and you're fishing a jig and plastics casting eighth ounce heads show in two feet of water. So it's always crazy just how fast they change. Um, I've probably spent more time on the Mississippi river than a lot of the other rivers, maybe maybe shot content down. And that one's, you know, it's always just crazy how fast conditions change and how fast the bite changes. But that's one of the reasons I think, a lot of people love rivers, especially why I like them. It's because it's you're 
you're kind of constantly learning because conditions change so fast on a lot of these systems. The JMO podcast is sponsored by Long Haul Trucking. Long Haul's always looking for more skilled professional CDL drivers to join their team. They're a people-first company, and it shows. Their employee-owned, asset-based fleet of over 350 Conestogas is among industry leaders in pay and benefits geared towards long-term success and growth for company drivers and owner-operators. If you're a professional driver or a company that wants to ship product with the best in the business, get a hold of Long Haul at one 800 255 5153 or find them online at longhaultrucking.com. Long haul, running on the power of promises kept. And I kind of want to dig into those stories even, or just like your memories, exactly how you just kind of brought it up and answered that question is exactly what I'm going for is like year to year, you know, conversations about rivers are, you know, there's always these like building blocks that are pretty concrete, you know, based on rivers you know, over the sands of time, right? You talk about the jig in a minnow. Well, that's something that will be brought up in every river episode, you know, for the next 30 years probably. But there are fine details that we just kind of have to mention every year. And then next year, we're going to have to, you know, dive into it again. Like, what did we learn or what, you know, what did we uh, have to do to break down a stretch of river that we've fished a ton in our lifetimes? Um, You know, and then we had to break it down again. You know, it's like we had to keep learning because like, you know, I have a couple of scenarios in my mind when I think about anglers that go, you know, that, that go to river destinations for this time of year and these kind of patterns. It's, uh, you know, either you don't live there, you're not a local and you travel. And it, a lot of times, you know, if you're, uh, you know, blue collar uh, working angler, you, you save up your time and you probably go every year a similar week, right? It's a, a yeah. guy's trip or whatever, right? It's a family deal. You go somewhere, you go to the same river every year, every other year, and it's usually the same week of the year, but you encounter different conditions every time you go. And there's a huge learning curve for that. Like you can't have memories when you go to a river, you know, every year, the same calendar days for sure. But then also, you know, you've kind of got like the locals that have like a ton of memories, a ton of information and they're familiar you know, the with a river system. Yeah, the river rats, man. It's like <laughs> those guys, I mean, there's just something to that, the the river rat deal. Like if you're 100% right, it's like if I could just sit and watch people fish somewhere, it'd be on the bank of a river. It wouldn't be like on, you know, the shore of a lake watching what people are doing. Yeah. It would be, you know, if I could ever just get the pixie dust off of somebody, it would be somebody, you know, some guy that just is a river rat savage that, you know, he's the first one to the bait shop and he's the first one to leave. He doesn't talk to nobody, you know, keeps his head down. You know, he's just like, he just got his own program going on. He knows what he's got going on. And he's just, you know, those guys are just savages. Oh my gosh. My my favorite guys to watch. Yeah. The guy who's got maybe, you know, you're rolling around in a boat with 15 different pieces of electronics on it and he's got a flasher catching more fish than you, you yeah <laughs> yeah i love those guys you know it's but like they can they can read water and i absolutely love seeing it down there and there's you know there's definitely a lot of a lot of stories come up just about how you know how fast conditions change and where you you know where you're seeing fish the patterns are using to catch fish and if there's yeah. one thing about rivers for sure it's rarely that you know nothing's ever off the table as far as where fish could be or what you can do to catch them or those kind of things and you know, last year was definitely an interesting one as well. It started off just crazy low water, minimal flow, like a lot of 
like the last couple of years have kind of been. And a lot of times, you know, you're dealing with clear water and fish that are kind of negative neutral to get to go outside of low light hours and things like that. And then I want to say it was probably mid-April. We just got done shooting, I think, in Sturgeon Bay. We drove back across the state and we're back on a river system. And, you know, that same river system we had fished two weeks ago, we were now fishing in one to two feet of water, pitching swim baits on quarter-ounce heads. And it's just unbelievable how fast conditions can change like that. And then on the backside of that, I remember going to another river where the water level came way down. And uh, I think it was like early May. And you're trolling and, you know, you're trolling in six feet of water flying down a bank. So it's just the number of different patterns on a river that are are absolutely crazy. And that's definitely what we like the most about it. I mean, obviously lakes relatively unchanging. You kind of got the water clarity. That's generally the water clarity. You know, you, you take current out of the equation. Fish kind of use relatively the same spots every year. You should kind of see pressure push fish around on where fish are and where fish aren't. But in a river system, it's all, you know, a totally different deal. And a lot of times, you know, one of my favorite patterns fishing rivers, hands down, a super shallow, like early summer pattern. That's one of those patterns that just, I absolutely love the fish, but you talk to a lake guy about trolling three and a half miles an hour and three feet of water, you know, he's like, there's no way that works. Right. But, uh, you know, there's definitely those patterns on rivers that are, you know, when you spend enough time on them and I by no means know all of them, but, uh, it's it's a very cool different style of fishing and that's what i absolutely love about fishing rivers at really at all times of year yeah and how did you build confidence in that i mean you talk about it and and you have so much great content out there you know tumble youtube channel um you know i know you got the the walleye now app fire and away like so much great stuff out there but you haven't like you weren't like baptized into walleye fishing at a super young age i mean a lot of this is really you know learned and nuanced um on your own how and where did you build your confidence in just being able to fish that way by, by smashing my head against the wall many times is <laughs> <laughs> the kind of short answer but um i obviously grew up fishing lakes for walleyes um so you know i, I was the guy who fished lakes fish lakes my whole life for walleyes and um as kind of the youtube started getting bigger and i started essentially just driving around and fishing walleyes everywhere um, you know, we, I always loved fishing rivers. I just didn't do it a ton outside of spring. And, uh, you know, as it was a lot of trips and a lot of years of just, you know, maybe just barely tapping into a pattern saying, there's gotta be something to this. Next time you go down, you know, you try to replicate and do something a little bit different and end up putting the pattern together. Maybe the next time you go down, the conditions totally change and you're back to square one. So it was just a lot of this you know, repetition. If there's one thing that makes me want to go fish more one system more than anything, it's when I go there and struggle. So that, it's like almost like you're mad at the fish, but, uh, it's definitely, uh, you know, just spending a ton of time. And I think I was always relatively open-minded as, as, as an angler. Cause I didn't really come from the traditional walleye fishing mindset. Didn't do a whole lot of walleye fishing as a kid. Um, as I started fishing as a young adult or even still as a kid, um, kind of mostly, you know, learned to catch walleyes just kind of by doing it myself over and over and over and over and over. Um, so a lot of patterns that maybe I fish, maybe some other people hate or have never tried. So it's always kind of been a pretty open mind as far as, um, fishing goes and the rivers, river fishing certainly enforced that over the years. 
Yeah, I think that is such a big takeaway, and I love that we're doing this show. I love any you know anybody that is anticipating their you know their annual river bite. You know, like I said, it's either you're a river rat and you're listening to this, you know, anticipating you you know this year. It's like out of all the technical information we could talk about, I think the biggest takeaway for me is just listening to how you keep an open mind because I need to practice that. That's a learned behavior for so many of us and um you know you know for a lot of people when you're introduced to fishing in a certain place a certain way however many times and you have and you know worst case scenario you have success early uh, and then you just can't get that out of your head like you said you appreciate the struggles um that's i think a huge one i mean i could never say that enough on this show it's like because we're all on a journey to getting better right like that's 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 our, our my big message on this show every episode whatever we're talking about if it's bluegills or you know crappies or bass or you know a lot of walleye talk on here but it's like everything just needs to kind of be pushed into that folder that you know we're building ourselves and our skills and it's like the mental approach to river fishing, yeah, I, being open-minded, I think it's just a monster. Yeah, I always describe fishing like a puzzle. You know, a lot of times the hardest piece to put is the first one, the second one, the third one. After you, the more pieces you get together, the pieces start coming faster. So it always, and rivers are no exception. It seems like the more you know, the more questions you have, and more you keep learning as you as you go through it. So that's always kind of the analogy I give people about fishing. Anyways, it's not like you ever get to a point where you know it. You know, you just get to a point where the pieces of the puzzle seem to come together a little bit quicker after a bunch of experience. You know, are there any questions that you get a whole bunch of that I'm not talking about here? Any river questions? Is there any anything that we should, you know, sort of address uh, that you get, you know, DMs about or whatever it is? Like, is there, is there anything like that that uh, we could just cover right now? Um, I always get asked a lot kind of what, you know, which is the best spring walleye river, you know, what's the, what's the go-to or things like that. And it's always unbelievable how, you know, how fertile and how good of fishing is in rivers. You know, a lot of people might overlook the river that they live right next to because, Oh yeah, some guys always go out there and walleye fish in you know, the spring or summer, but you know, it's kind of more of just a spring thing, you know, talking about the Mississippi, like we have several times. I mean, it's right next to the biggest populations of people in the Midwest. And it still has some of the best walleye fishing in the Midwest. Unbelievably fertile fisheries. You know, there you look at a lot of these big bodies of water, and people are almost afraid of them getting fished out or too much pressure and things like that. And rivers are almost one where it almost seems unchanged. You know, it almost seems like those systems are just so fertile. They have such good fishing in them, um, and a lot of times they're overlooked at all times of the year. Like I said, a lot of times people are like, "Oh, the spring walleye fishing on the river," and then they don't touch it the rest of the year. Summer can be phenomenal on rivers. Fall is a phenomenal time to be on rivers. Spring's obviously a great time to be on a river. And uh, really, as long as they got fish in them, they're likely a pretty good walleye fishery. And, uh, you know, at all times of year. If you have any fishing memory that you would like to commemorate or have questions about commemorating a fishing memory with a replica made of any fish that has ever graced your net, Get in touch with Rizavi Fish Replicas, owned and operated by Jamie Rizavi over in uh, New Rockford, North Dakota at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can find them online at RizaviTaxidermyStudio.com. 
find him on Facebook at Rizavi Taxidermy Studio. You can see the pictures here at the JMO headquarters in Devil's Lake. We have some phenomenal replicas made by Jamie and his crew hanging on our walls, which we absolutely love. They look absolutely perfect, just like the fish that were reeled in that day. And every chance we get to go in and admire them and tell those stories and share those stories with each other, we absolutely do. Again, if you want, or if you have any questions about getting a fish replica made to commemorate any great trophy memory you have of fishing, Get in touch with Jamie Rizvi at Rizvi Fish Replicas. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I think that I think that is super spot on. It's like, you know, I think the destination, this is just me talking. You know, I can appreciate some of the, you know, real like capital spring like river opportunities that are out there you know like the rainy river comes to mind i live here in bismarck we've got the missouri river that's obviously a monster you know mississippi you know getting out your way and and wisconsin's got all kinds of rivers in it you know yeah you're talking about the great lake tributaries and all the river fishing that's going to go on there pretty soon like um you know the destinations that you know that might give you you know that might give you an experience to just kind of Maybe know what's out there. You know, there's big fish opportunities or whatever it is, but do not overlook a smaller river that's right down the road. I mean, oh, it, yeah. you know, and 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 I'll I'm gonna I'll probably do a couple of shore fishing episodes here too because that's another thing that's just so relatable and timeless. Um, you know, as ever is uh, you know uh, shore fishing or whatever. We're not going to get into that, but yeah, um, access access to fish. You know, yeah, you can't can't walk to the shores of Leech Lake and catch walleyes, but Within five minutes of my house, you could go to the Chippewa River, the Flambeau River, you know, and, uh, there's just so much water to fish. You yeah. Know, you know, our driveway, the Wisconsin River, which has a ton of different dams and bodies of water is connected to it. And you get the Mississippi River, the Rock River, the Wolf River. I mean, it's all little rivers in Wisconsin that all have walleyes in them that, you know, some of them get fished hard, some of them don't, some of them get hit hard in spring, and some of them don't see an angler the rest of the year. Yeah. That was kind of crazy. And it doesn't really matter how awesome a setup that you have either. You know, we already talk about those river rats are typically a guy that's got, you know, an aluminum hull that's got a bunch of dings in it. And, uh, you know, he's he got a tiller motor and, and, and just just the just what he knows he needs and can probably float any river, big or small. You know, I mean, it's uh, there's just, yeah, that river thing. You know, I'm going to do a ton more shows, but this is going to kick off my river episode. So, um, yeah, just a great conversation. Uh, let's see here. I had a note written down. We didn't really cover it. Like a boat control. Is that a thing on rivers? It's a thing everywhere. But I mean, you know, talking about boat control in certain spots on a river where you're talking current, that's a little different thing than being on a lake, you know, with maybe like wind current or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, here or there. Is there a real talker there or is it just a big, to a spot lock situation oh yeah i mean there's you know boat control huge everywhere you're gonna go um, especially on rivers too a lot of times your tools you might be using might be a little different you know you go out on a lake and you know if you're trolling a lot of times it's your kicker or your main outboard and then the trolling motor in front but on a river system it's you know you might be spot locking you might be using a Minn Kota talent you might be using sometimes the best thing is just the old school anchor which uh is still always within the boat regardless of how many dollars of electronics and batteries you got with you because a lot of times it's just anchor is the only way you can sit still a lot of times perfectly still and really heavy current so it definitely plays a role um you know we talk about like the buke rigging in the spring a pattern that a lot of times they're using when you're pushing into current it's kind of a half trolling half jigging presentation with a three-way or if you're just going to run a straight up three-way 
but a lot of times, especially in, if you're working a heavy current seam, um, a lot of times you're using your, your kicker or your main outboard as your forward thrust and your Minkota as um, essentially your directional push. So a lot of little things, but essentially if you can't control the boat when you're fishing current, uh, your bait's going to be all over the place too. So um, boat control, absolutely huge. And especially in this cold water period, I think where your speed and your hang time and all those things are just unbelievably important. You know, if you want to be able to sit still, you have to be able to sit still. A lot of times that might be with an anchor or an electronic like Talon or something like that. So absolutely huge. And every situation is different on the river, of course, because you could be in low flow, ton of flow, intermediate flow. So, or you could be trolling into it, drifting with it, all those kind of things. So yeah, boat control, absolutely huge. And a million different scenarios, obviously on the river systems where at a lake you're either a lot of times trolling or you're spot locked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what you said there, you know, there's a million different scenarios, right? Like we could sit and talk hypotheticals, but, you know, like you said, you know, the takeaway is be kind of self-aware, you know, try to evaluate your own situation that you're in this spring. Evaluate, um, you know, the flow and just kind of get a feel for that and just kind of, yeah, just 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 try to find that sweet spot. And, and uh, if you're struggling with something, you can't get that line angle. You can't make that cast just right. You know, you kind of, you, you feel like you found some fish. Um, you know, you just got to kind of be self-aware and just try to figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are. And, but yeah, boat control being a big one. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. I had that written down and I kind of breezed over it earlier, but, um, glad we came back to it just to kind of cap this off. Cause we are really good on time. We can wrap this up, dude, unless there's something else that you want to talk about, but I really appreciate the information on this i think this is just this is a good fun conversation for us to have as we uh are looking uh we're looking uh really quickly being in boats as fast as we possibly can here um in the, you <laughs> know in the I'm next couple too. weeks oh my gosh yeah so yeah anything that you want to promote um give us a little update you know if you want to spend a couple minutes or 10 seconds um give us a little update on uh on the walleye now app or any anything that you want to throw out there man go ahead yeah, we're super excited to get back in the boat too down here. I appreciate you guys having me on. We've got a lofty schedule of seminars and walleye now stuff uh, for the app. And then obviously YouTube stuff too. A lot of travel going on as, you know, it's kind of different bodies of water open to get a good diversity of different lakes, rivers, and reservoirs to fish this year. And uh, on the walleye now app side of stuff, we're super excited about a lot of big changes coming to it this year. You know, we had an unbelievable kind of first year out of the gate, ton of great feedback and um, which is awesome to hear, but we're looking forward to kind of, I mean, it's the probably the largest library of custom walleye fishing information anywhere in the world. So we actually accrued so much information that we're organizing it much better way to kind of give anglers even more content on top of it this year. So it really is the walleye anglers kind of best tool to quickly get to a body of water and get on fish. And that's what we're super excited to kind of, keep delivering and adding to this year and uh, a lot of cool stuff there in the works that we'll start releasing as we get back into boats here as the season kind of starts and progresses so stay tuned for more of that but we're excited about it yeah man i love it i think my my favorite thing about uh you know like that walleye now app it you know all that information that's on there for me you know i certainly like going into the things that pertain to or maybe validate some things that I got going on or some bodies of water that I'm on. Um, but it, it's something, it's a tool in my mind that I think walleye anglers ought to be inspiring themselves to, to 
you know, take the information that's on there for something that they're not used to and go attack a different bite on a different type of body of water um, because you already have, you know, with that alone, you're just going to have so much more than historically, you know, if you wanted to go try a new lake or a new someplace over in Minnesota or Wisconsin or North Dakota, like you were just going and hoping that somebody at the bait shop would be friendly enough to tell you something. You know, yeah, and, and, it's, and it's all in real time, which is kind of the, the beauty of it all. Um, you know, we're constantly traveling to do a lot of this stuff and it's kind of the perfect, you know, you put yourself like we were talking about in the shoes of the you know, blue collar guy it makes a couple yeah. trips a year, maybe once to leech and maybe once to devil's lake or once to Sakakawi or once to the small lake in Northern Wisconsin. I mean, when you can log into the app, select your time of year, say select early summer, you know, you get your water types dialed in for that 60 to 65 degree range, pull up natural lake. There's a pile of content there that's going to key in on not just what baits to use or what spots to fish, but in-depth walkthroughs on, you know, possibly that lake with those same characteristics you're going to. All right. It's, it's early summer right now. we got 60, 65 degrees. App says, go look at um, mid-depth rock in 10 to 15 feet you go to that spot you know it says all right fish slip fibers here send them two feet off the bottom this is what you want to see on your graph you're seeing that on your graph it's all making sense a lot faster than it would if you went off with the advice from the guy at the bait shop that said yeah guys are catching them on slip fibers you know <laughs> it's really that perfect mesh of electronics locations and presentations and how all those three things kind of fit together to fast track people yeah man that fast track it and that's and it really adds the experience and we've all got so much invested in our stuff and time that uh you know for the cost of some of these resources it's like the cheapest expense you'll have and it's gonna give you back a heck of a lot more than uh the crankbaits that you buy every month so <laughs> yeah. uh, or the prime the primary investment the time yeah yeah seriously you want to be catching fish yep Shoot. absolutely absolutely well yeah we've done it man we've blown by uh our time stamp and that is excellent i appreciate your time tom thank you so much on short notice uh appreciate it yeah and talk to you later